Thank you, Mariah. Karina, appreciate that very much. Great reminder tonight. This is my father's world. Grab your Bibles. Join me in Hebrews chapter 11, if you will. Uh, Brother Ron is coming down the middle aisle. If you need an outline, we'd love for you to grab one if you don't have a prayer bulletin there in front of you. As we delve back into Hebrews 11, I would, should have said something earlier, I would ask you to be praying for Pastor Tony. He's out sick today, and uh, so uh, sick once again, kind of what he had a couple weeks ago. So just pray for Pastor Tony. We'll just touch and heal him. Mr. Uh, Ron Quick's down on the other end, leading our teenagers, so appreciate him helping out and stepping in there. And so pray for Pastor Tony. He'll heal up, get back at it very quickly. Hebrews chapter 11, it was a delight to get back into it last week. And as we've gotten back into uh, here, this chapter, great chapter, we did point out that one of the great delights of the study of this chapter is that God didn't, through Paul, the Holy Spirit, didn't simply give us some wordy definitions of, of faith, but rather he provided us flesh and blood illustrations through these outline stories of the Old Testament saints and uh, all that they went through, the characters here provided for us. We're, we're given a picture of people, real people, living out their faith. No different than you and I we talked about last time. One of those reasons, and what do we see as a, a constant theme throughout all these illustrations, is the, the decision or the challenge of a decision that they faced and you and I faced. We talked about it last time, and it's truly an encouragement. You boil it down there's not much that separates them and the persons who aren't mentioned. It's simply this, the decision they face. Either to walk by sight or to walk by faith. And we elaborated on that talk, and it's no different than the decision you and I face every day to whether, whether or not I'm going to walk by sight or walk by faith. We talked about how it all started with salvation, didn't it? When you and I were challenged to put our faith and trust in a person we had not seen. We looked at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 where Peter made that statement. Likewise, in trusting in a Savior we have not seen, and also uh, we look forward to being with Him in a city or country that we have not seen. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight. And, and certainly that played into Abraham's steps by faith. And the same is true for you and I. Then we came and understood the context there. We came to verse number 8. Really the quintessential example of the Old Testament of this kind of faith is Abraham. Look at uh, verse, or look at, um, yeah, verse number 8. Let's go ahead and read it. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, uh, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. And we kind of settled in here. We talked a little bit about the backstory of Abraham. We won't go into great detail with that. But we, we remembered and looked back to Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1 gave us the call that was placed upon Abraham to leave his country, his, uh, his life as he knew it in a sense, and to go and, and begin pursuing where God would lead. Then we talked about the four promises or the main parts of the promises that God gave to Abraham. And real quick, let's just remind ourselves of these. Number one, God will bless Abraham and Sarah with offspring found in verse 2 number 2 God will bring from Abraham a great people great nation verses 1 through 5 really encompass all of that number 3 God will give Abraham his offspring a, uh, a great promised land and uh, a, a inheritance a land inheritance then number 4 uh, God will bless all nations through his offspring and bringing all of the mankind into this promise and uh, to reap the benefits if we might say it of that Knowing that call and promise, then we said, all right, this is what the verse is talking about. Here's where it starts. And why is he such an example for you and I? Number one, Roman number one, as we saw last week, he listened to the call and promise of God. I like that terminology, and I think I left the blank open as review on our outline. Uh, the Bible says that what? Abraham obeyed. 
he obeyed, just simply, right? He, he obeyed, and I, I like that right there in the middle of this verse number 8. He, and we also talked about that tense of the Greek word. It, it literally means sudden. It was a sudden obedience, instantaneous, we might say, an immediate response and action on Abraham's part. Man, don't you love it as a parent when your children, you say something, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, they go right out. Like, oh, I like that. That's good. And that's exactly what Abraham had. God spoke. He listened. He obeyed. He did exactly what God had asked of him. And boy, great faith when we consider what this instruction was, what the call was to leave home, uh, to go to a place that he did, had not seen. And really, that's the next aspect we, we read about. And a very powerful, unique aspect about this step of faith is he went out, not knowing whether he went. I want you to start heading that direction, Abraham. I want you to start going that way. And, and I'll, I'll lead you as you go along. I'll give you the next step when you need it. And uh, that's literally what God said to Abraham. We don't know all of it. We talked about that last time. It's one of those things when we get to heaven. I love to see how God called Abraham there in the Ur of the Chaldees and exactly how he called him out of that pagan country and his home and his family and how he extended that call and spoke to, to Abraham. We don't have much about it, but here's what we do know about it. He didn't give him an itinerary. He didn't show him a map and say, okay, you're going to go here, 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 here. He didn't st- uh, give him a presentation about what this is going to look like, day one, day 10, day 15. He didn't do any of that. He didn't give an itinerary. Abraham just literally took off not knowing where he was going. And he did it immediately. So it was sudden obedience, but it was also a stunning obedience because of that, as one has rightly stated or described it. And so it is. And the same as what you and I are called to do each and every day. Can I just tell you right now, can I just let you in on a little secret? As a believer and as a Christian, when you obey God, that's stunning to this world. That, that's hard for them to fathom. You go to church on a Wednesday night, you read the Bible every day to hear what God says, and, 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 and you try to obey and do what God has revealed as His will in the Bible. Can I just tell you that to the world, it seems extreme in somewhat stunning doesn't it i remember when uh, growing up and when i got into the workplace and so forth i told you before and having never let a a a touch of liquor touch my lips and things like that i remember people looking at you've never drank you never drank i remember and again uh, just just the reality of it okay let me just say this i i've never stepped inside a movie theater now we can go round and round about that and so forth i'm not i'm not nearly concerned about getting on that soapbox and so forth as i am concerned about what you put in your eye your eye gate okay so well, let's not talk about that here's the point though when i told somebody i'd never seen the inside of a movie theater that oh, you've never been to a movie theater You've never taken a cigarette. You've never done that. Now listen, why did I do all that? Because I want to please God. That, that's why I wanted to do it. Now, at some point, it was to please my parents. But then those could be convictions became mine. And I'll tell you, my friend, to the world, that seems sudden. That seems somewhat stunning. That seems out of this world that you would go to that kind of length to try to be holy, even as your Father, which in heaven, is holy. Now, you could list many things in your own life. There's people you work with, that you've done things, and the way you act, the way you talk, simply by the reality that you will not utter a curse word. That will set you apart, won't it? I remember working in a meat department in a grocery store, and uh, my coworkers did all they could to try to get me to curse. Because they knew I wouldn't do it. I didn't want to do that. That's not how I grew up. That's not what I, I wanted to please God with every word that came out of my mouth. Parents taught me that, and I grew up trying to please God in that way. Am I always perfect? Never. 
but the reality is the desire to obey God is present. Many of you have it, if not all of you. And the reality is to a world that is lost and only lives for themselves, can I tell you right now, that is stunning obedience. That is what makes up our faith. And here's Abraham. Could you imagine what his family would have said when he left? Abraham, where are you going? <laughs> I don't know. Well, where, wait, 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 where are you headed? <laughs> Just that direction. I know that, but what city are you going to? <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard about or have you seen the pictures of the, the place you're going? Nope, have no idea. No clue. Could you imagine what his, his family would have said to that? His neighbors and others. And why are you doing that? Why in the world would you go halfway across the world or however far it was to, to see a, go to a place that you don't know about and all you're doing is, is you believe a God in heaven has told you? Yep, that's what I'm doing. Faith and practice. A stunning obedience, if you can put it that way. A day-to-day living by faith. We also looked last week at Exodus chapter 40 where we saw the Israelites and following the cloud of God that he bestowed upon the top of the tabernacle and led them and directed them when to leave, when to stay, and so forth by that. And they too, as we put the statement in that way, their journey, the promised land they, through the wilderness, they lived day by day in faith and obedience that was given to them, uh, to what was given them, excuse me, that day. As that cloud went up, they went and followed. And when it settled, then they stayed. And just day by day obedience, living by faith, walking by faith, following God. It's true faith and action every day. And that's what you and I are called to do. To pick up in faith, to go forward following our Lord in obedience. And we know well, God doesn't show us always the next step ahead in our journey. He just calls us to walk by faith. And sometimes it's just one step. Sometimes He shows more. We'll see that even this evening. But Sometimes he just shows us the next trial, the next situation in which we need to just follow him in faith and obey. And yet every day he's saying the same thing that he said to Abraham. We finished with it last week. He's simply saying to you and I, trust me, follow me. Everything will be all right in the end. All things will work together for those who love me, who are called according to my purpose. He would also say to you and I, trust me, I, I'll show you every step you need down the road. Just, just stay with me. Keep following, keep doing what you ought to be doing each and every day, and I'll show you the next step in life. I'll give you the next direction that you need to heed. So Abraham listened. He obeyed, as this verse put it. Now let's look at the next installment, verse number 9, if you will. Verse number 9. Here's what we see. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs with him, uh, the heirs of, with him of the same promise. Okay, number two, Abraham lived out the call of God uh, and in light of the promise of God. He lived out the call of God and in light of the promise of God. Uh, I like this description because verse number 10 takes it the next step. He listened, he obeyed, and he went out. But his was not a, a flash-in-the-pan kind of faith. It wasn't a, somebody who has a very shallow faith. That's not at all what we see here. His was not a faith that hits an obstacle and falls apart. His is not a faith that hits a wall of, uh, of the devil throwing things at us and trying to trip us up. And His was not the kind of faith that hits a hard time in life, a, a difficult season of life and falls apart. That's not what we see here. His was not a faith that turns back at hard things in hard times in fact do you see what happens in this life of abraham it literally does something to him that faith typically does you know what it did don't miss it it literally see we see a changed lifestyle in abraham it really turned his world upside down 
He had been living in the Ur of Chaldees. He had been fine, as we said last time, likely a prosperous country. Likely he was doing well. His dad probably owned a business. He owned business-wise, was doing great. He had wealth. We know that. And so he is, his world is turned upside down. He's living, leaving that and going off and uh, who knows where, really, except God. Uh, I like the description that we have here. His behavior completely changed. And can I tell you, boy, when you start walking by faith, it changes a lot of things. Amen? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you start a life of faith, of walking day by day by faith, and it really does change a lot. Things were totally different in Abraham's life now. In fact, you see the word, the word sojourn there. It literally means to dwell or to live. Okay, he sojourned in the land of <laughs> promise, and I like that. He sojourned there; uh, he dwelled there. So he, he takes this trip. He comes to this place, and God says, "Listen, this is the land I'm going to uh, I'm going to give to you." And not quite yet, but I'm going to give it to you. And uh, so he dwells there. But yet, the the verse makes it clear. You know what he dwells in? The word in our English is tabernacle. Some of your Bibles will have in the middle column tents. Right? It's a tent. Is what is described here. He's dwelling in a tent, and and I think that's a great statement. He literally left a city and plunged into a desert by faith. Can I put it this way? You see the statement on the outline. He, he traded a house of earthly guarantee for a tent of heavenly, heavenly faith. I like that statement and I like that thought because it speaks much to the life of faith. It speaks much to real Christianity as we've been studying in Sunday school classes. This is what it is. It's, it's reality of you and I saying, you know what? I'm going to exchange my, my earthly house of guarantee. I could, I could live for this world and life could be great. I could live and, and lay up treasures for myself here on earth. I, I could throw all my energies into this place and live for the temporal walk by sight. We could do that. And, and you know what? For a short time, we can have the pleasures of sin. For a short time, we can have the pleasures of serving self. For a short time, we can enjoy the fruit of living for this life here. But my friend, there is so much more to be gained when you live by faith. And see, that's what, that's what Abraham was embracing. And so you know what that? He traded his house of guarantee, his earthly house of guarantee, for that tent of heavenly promises that he knew God would fulfill. And every day, my friend, can I just tell you, tomorrow, some of you are going to be challenged to, to turn your back, to leave behind, out of your focus, not pursue the earthly houses of guarantee, but rather pursue tents of heavenly promises by faith to live for him, to follow his advice. And so that's exactly what Abraham did. There's a reason he lived in a tent, because God moved him around to different times, different places, taking him uh, different places, even there within the promised land. And one of the neat things about Abraham, one of the things we see born out in Scripture, and I like this truth about it, is wherever he went, whenever that faith, this journey of faith took him, whenever obedience moved him, it appears he erected two things. He erected an altar... And obviously his tent. Those are the two things that everywhere that he went, it seems as from scriptures that this is what he erected. He put up an altar, he would put up a tent. He put up an altar, he worshiped God, he put up his tent. And I like the symbolic aspect of those things. The altar was a place of what? Continued fellowship. In fact, for you and I, it'd be like this. Whenever we move to a new city, you know what we ought to find? A good church to worship God in. 
We ought to join close to a body of believers that is pursuing, pleasing God, living for God, loving God, living for Him. And we ought, we ought to do that. And that's very much what Abraham was. I, I need fellowship. I need communion with God. And in many ways, that altar was a confirmation of his faith and his following of God. It was a sign of his own dedication and commitment to God. Likewise, we see that tent. The, the tent obviously signified living by faith, didn't it? He's ready to pick up and obey. Wherever God says to go, he'll go. Wherever uh, the next instruction for his life comes in, he's going to obey it. The tent represents that. A vivid reminder also that the things here on earth are temporary. Temporary. They're temporal. His eyes were on the fulfillment of the promise. We'll see that developed in the the passage tonight. He separated from the world as he knew it. Uh, He was living by faith. How does the passage put it? As a in a strange country. Okay, you ever think the world's getting stranger and stranger? Amen. And so we live in a strange country. So did he? He didn't belong here. The obedience that he was showing to God did not fit in in the land of Canaan. It certainly didn't fit in back home, certainly at the Ur of the Chaldees and so forth, their moon god and everything else. But it sure didn't fit in here in the land of Canaan. But that's what he was trying to do. In fact, later on, verse number 13, it speaks to the fact of both he and many of these mentioned, they were pilgrims in, a, in a strange places, right? For him, the Bible says a strange country living by faith. Now, here's what's amazing about this faith that I think demands our consideration. Okay, he listened. He obeyed. He arrives at the promised land. Now he's living it out. That call, okay, God, I'm here. I'm going to live by faith every step of the way. You've promised me this promised land. Here's what's amazing about this promise that God gave him. You you realize that when he arrived at the promised land, we often think of a barren desert. We often think of land that nobody is. Well, the Bible tells us actually it's quite different. The land had people in it. You might even say full of different people and so forth. In fact, later on, we'll see a verse that alludes to the Amorites here, but as we like to call them, all the ites, amen? They're all over this land. In fact, very much it's filled in that sense. It's not empty. It's not vacant when he arrives. It's filled with people. You know what we know about the people? They're godless. They're wicked. They're not living for God. They're not in any way concerned about what the God of heaven, the God of all creation thinks. Canaanites were everywhere. So he arrives, and what does he have to do? Get it. Don't miss it. This is an amazing part of his faith. He, he simply this. He had to wait. He had to show patience on the timing for the fulfillment of God's promises. Now think with me a second. Where in your life, when you've had to follow God, you've taken a step by faith, and how often do we as humans, we think, okay, God, I took this step. Now show me everything. And God says, not, not yet. One more step of faith. One more step of faith. One more step of faith. How often you and I have been called to do something by God and says, listen, do this, and we do it, and we're waiting for the, uh, the blessings. We're waiting for everything to become crystal clear and obvious, and sometimes that doesn't happen. In fact, there are many times you and I are called to take a step of faith, and it w- we will not understand until we get to heaven. We will not grasp why. And God just simply says, here's your next step, take it. Here's your next step, take it. And so Abraham does that. He arrives at the land and he looks around like, man, listen, I, it's just me and a few of my staff. How are we going to kick out these people? That's, that wasn't the plan. That's not God's plan. Now he has to wait for the fulfillment. You know what we see in Abraham's life? Oh, there's a couple times he falters and he goes in uh, different places and, and, and tries to provide for himself and God has to get him back to the promised land. But in reality, because he's mentioned here because he simply rested and lived in faith. 
He trusted that in God's good time, God would make good His promise. In fact, here's what we know. Here's an amazing thing about His faith and the call and the promises. Most of the promises were not realized in His lifetime. They were not fulfilled during Abraham's lifetime. In fact, as you think about it, they weren't even fulfilled in his son's lifetime. They weren't even fulfilled in his grandson's lifetime. You see, the only part of the promised land, this is kind of funny, the only part of the promised land that Abraham possessed in his lifetime was enough for a cemetery plot. Buried there. That's about it. He didn't really own much else. He, he really had borrowed land. He didn't, uh, in, a, in a sense, establish it as his kingdom, as his promised land. That did not happen in his lifetime. So here he is. He listened. He obeyed. He goes to a, a, a place he has never seen. He then dwells. He sojourns. He says, listen, I'm going to live out my faith. So he plants his tent peg. He, he, he plants his tent pegs. He puts up his tent. He's dwelling in the place that God has called him to. And every day is a living by faith. And God's showing him another step. And comes to the realization, you know what? God's not going to fulfill it in my lifetime. But you know what he does? He keeps living out his faith. He lives in light of the promises. And it shows up in a very interesting way. You catch verse 9. Verse 9 tells us, in fact, it gives us a little glimpse about the sincerity and genuineness of his faith. We, this is why he is mentioned in Hebrews in part. Verse number 9 tells us something. You see it? We know that his faith was real and genuine enough because he was joined in it. In other words, it names his son and his grandson as joint heirs of these promises. Literally, not only because they are descendants of him, but because also they joined in on his faith. His faith was real. It was genuine. In fact, you see the statement on our outline he passed his faith on. His faith was so real, such a part of his life, his children and their children were impacted and influenced by it. Here's one of the amazing aspects of Hebrews chapter number 10 or 11, excuse me, in verse number 9 here. He sojourned, he dwelled in the promised land, and he's telling his boys, now listen, listen, he's telling them, I, I, listen, God's promised this and I believe him. And so we're going to wait here, and, and we're going to do whatever God says. If he says, go here, we're going to go there. We're going to pick up our tents, and we're going to go. We're going to walk by faith. We're going to live by faith. And we know that one of the greatest illustrations of that is when God said what? Go take your son and do what to him? Kill him. So every step of the way in his life, Abraham's saying, listen, listen, Isaac, we're going to live by faith. We're going to live by faith. We're, going to, we're, we're, we're just going to trust in the calling of God upon our lives, and we're going to look to the promises of God. And so he lives out his faith on a daily basis. And I can tell you, my friend, we certainly want to impact the world. We want to influence the world. But your greatest place of impact and influence is your own home. Allow your faith to impact and influence your children, your grandchildren, and their children, and so forth and so on. Abraham had that. It speaks to the realness, the genuineness of his faith. You see, his son came to know the promises of God. He also listened to the promises God gave. They waited together in faith for the fulfillment of them. They waited in patience. I find this aspect exciting about it. Don't you think it would be hard to wait? 
I mean, you're sitting there and you've left what you know. Your life's been turned upside down. You've changed your entire behavior, your lifestyle. You've come to this promised land. This is a strange country. You're living by faith. You're sojourning there. And the reality probably sits in at some point that this is not going to happen in your lifetime. You just need to sit and wait on the Lord. You know, what's sometimes interesting is to find out that waiting on the Lord often demands great courage, as the Bible would say. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And Abraham showed that in his faith. But here's what's neat about it. We would, from a human perspective, find it hard to wait waiting for the promises to be fulfilled. And yet, I sure am thankful that we serve a gracious God, aren't you? And that gracious God did something for Abraham that he does for you and I sometimes. Because sometimes we're just stuck. We've obeyed God and we don't see the next step. We don't see how this is all going to work out. And we don't know exactly how it's going to play out and what the end result is. And, And we get a little impatient, shall we say. So God in His graciousness, he, he likes to give us His Word to help us through times of waiting, as He did for Abraham. Why is God's Word so beneficial? Why is it that anchor to our soul? Well, the Bible itself tells us why that's so important, especially in moments when we are trying to walk by faith in a situation and we don't see the end goal. We don't see how the promises are going to be fulfilled. We don't understand exactly where it's taking me, how the pieces are going to fit together. And so God's word comes to, to play. How does it do so? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, doesn't it? We know the, the basic principle to walking by faith. It's this, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you tell me, you ask me, Pastor, how did Abraham, he must have been some super big, awesome Christian in order to to, to listen, to leave his home, to go to that promised land, and then to dwell there without the prospect of the promise being fulfilled. My friend, he is no different than you and I. All he did was this. He allowed his faith to be strengthened by the word of God. The gracious God said, listen, Abraham, let me tell you something. And we'll see it in just a moment. But he encourages him with the word of God. Can I tell you, it's not just salvation that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's every day. As you walk by faith this week, you better be rooted and grounded in the word of God. You better cling to the word of God. You better hide it in your heart, God's word. Why? Because my friend, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You You know what Abraham did? He kept rehearsing in his ears and in his heart the words of God. When he was taking Isaac up to that mountain to offer him as a sacrifice, I'll tell you right now, I believe all during that journey there, he's just rehearsing God's promise. Here's what God's going to do. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know if he's going to raise him from the dead. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this. My God is going to do something. So he had faith in God. And how did he, why was his faith so strong? The same way your faith is strong and my faith is strong because we have the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It played out. You you see, God (laughs) gave Abraham and then obviously Abraham would have passed that on to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob and so forth. He gave them a little bit of help as they waited for the promise to be fulfilled. Right after God had given those promises in Genesis chapter 12, few chapters later god gave abraham a little bit of his word that kind of strengthened his faith through those many years of just waiting sojourning by faith dwelling in the land of faith 
we might put it that way. Here's what he said. Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and following. He said this, and he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety, you can take it to the bank, it's guaranteed, that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall they come out with great substance. Verse 15 continues, it says this, And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation... They shall come hither again. They shall come back here, okay? Hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Powerful passage. It says and establishes many things. It talks beforehand. It's a foretelling prophecy of Israel going to Egypt and serving them those 400 years. It also talks about how we know that the Amorites and the Canaanites, living land, were wicked, not pleasing God, but yet their iniquity is not full all the way. So he tells this to Abraham just a couple chapters later after giving him the promises. And did you catch what he's saying? Because you're just going to have to wait, Abraham. But be strengthened, be encouraged in your faith. You're going to die before your seed gains ownership of the land of Canaan. In fact, not only will they not have ownership of the land of Canaan, they'll leave it completely. The day's coming, well, they'll leave, Abraham. They will go away from this place and, and uh, they won't return. <laughs> They won't return until the fourth generation to receive the land in full. To, to gain the inheritance, to see some of these promises fulfilled as I have spelled them out to you. And what do we know? Well, that's exactly how it came to pass, right? As we've studied the scriptures, we know what happens in fourth generations from Jacob going into Egypt. And that fourth generation brings us to who? Brings us to Moses. Brings us to Moses. I love the chronology of it. If we have, obviously, the son of Jacob, Levi, he, he begats Kohath. Kohath begats Amram. Amram begat Moses. The promise is fulfilled. Oh, Abraham didn't see it unless he was able to see it from heaven. But God came to him and says, listen, don't worry. Abraham, I've got it all planned out. I, you know what's exciting about this truth? I like the part of the story because it shows that God varies in his revelation of steps. At the beginning in Abraham's life, the calling place of all his life, he goes, listen, I want you to leave. I'm going to take you to a place you have not seen. I just want you to go. And he goes, he follows. That's just like seeing one step of faith. Some of us this week, this year, God's just going to take, show us one step of faith. And we, we want to live by faith. We want to take it. Other times, God shows us multiple steps. God says, okay, here's going to be the outcome. God's going to, he, he varies the revelation of, of the steps of faith that we need to take. And that is so here. Sometimes with Abraham, he, he just showed him the very next step to take. He revealed just one thing that's going to happen in his life, and it is. Then other times, like this one we just described and we looked at, he laid out several steps. He spoke of numerous things that will, would happen. How in the future things would come to pass, uh, things will be fulfilled. He gave a big picture view to Abraham. And you know what it did? It strengthened Abraham's and so he knew as he sojourned in that land of promise, the strange country that may not happen today, it may not happen in his lifetime, it may not happen in Jacob's lifetime. But God said it's going to happen, and I trust him. 
So I live today by faith. That was Abraham's heart. That's why he's listed here in Hebrews chapter number 11. He'll do the same in our lives too. It's why Abraham listened to the call, the promises of God. That's why he lived out the call and then lived in light of the promises. He took God at his word. He had a faith that God would fulfill it. And he changed his life to be one of faithful obedience to his God. And we are called to do the same. Understanding that God gives sometimes one step at a time. Other times he reveals multiple steps of faith we must take. But through it all, you and I are called to sojourn in this journey of faith, to dwell in the land of promise or the land of faith. But you see, Abraham didn't just live out his faith or live out the call in the light of the promise of God. He also did something else. Look at verse 10. We'll finish tonight. It says this, verse 10, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham lived out the call of God in light of the promise of God. Then number three, notice our outline, Abraham looked for the fulfillment of the promises of God while he lived out the call of God. Now this kind of seems contradictory, doesn't it, to what we just studied. Well, he didn't see it in his lifetime, but he kept looking for it. And greater still, he looked for something above and beyond even the earthly fulfillment of his promises. He, he looks for a city that has foundations, and as we'll see, in maker and creator and designer is God. You see, I, I like this truth about Abraham. He didn't just live, he looked. It's all about focus, it's all about pursuit, it's all about purpose in life. Can I ask you tonight, do you have purpose? If someone asked you, what is the meaning of your life, how would you describe it? You see, living for Jesus by faith means that you have a forward look. You may not always see the fulfillment of the promises. You may not always experience them right now, right here, but you're always looking forward. A forward look. And may I just tell you tonight, could we just be honest? There's many people... Uh, <laughs> many people in our world that don't have that in fact i would say that something that few people have in this world is a forward look in the midst of this nomadic life he longed for that promised permanent place to put down his roots that place where his god was and that gave him purpose that gave him meaning to living here on earth there's too many people that have no purpose in life too many people have no direction too many people that have no reason for living if someone were to interview Abraham that day, I, I'd honestly believe they go talk to him. Hey, did you, have you heard of this, this crazy nomad who's wandering the land? And maybe someone went out from one of the big cities in, in the land of Canaan. They go out to interview him and they come back. I'm telling you, they'd be shaking their head. They'd come away with the impression that this guy has more purpose to life than anybody living in the city, than anybody else. And yet he's living in a tent. He's kind of wandering the land. And he's just, he's just following his God. And they would come back with the impression that he both knew and understood his purpose in life. And he had direction. This man was not a man that was undecided. He was not um, searching for the meaning of life. The purpose of life. Back at the beginning of 2021, as we were coming off the so-called pandemic, Lifeway Research did a poll. Here's what they found, and this is quite interesting. Note it with me. The, the poll results were simply this. Most Americans, 57%, say they wonder, listen, they wonder, how can I find meaning and purpose in my life at least monthly? 
with more than one in five saying they consider the question daily, about 21%, or weekly, 21%. Now listen, the, the statement is not saying, do you ever wonder? No, no, no. The question is, do you ever wonder what the purpose and meaning of your life is? And 57% of Americans said, I do it at least once a month. What am I doing? What am I living for? What is the purpose of my life? What is the meaning of this existence? That's what they question. Now, that's astounding to me. Question the very existence, the meaning and purpose of life. The executive director of LifeWay Research, he, he compared the results of this poll in 2021 to a poll they took in 2011, and uh, that research that they asked similar questions, and here is the observation, don't miss it. Here's what he said. He said, few Americans are ready to deny there is an ultimate purpose and plan for every person's life, uh, he said, but more are stepping back from this, driving their own pursuits. Life has become a more pessimistic pursuit with fewer going all out for something better. You catch what it's saying? Do not miss it. Because here's a problem and why many people don't live by faith. They're acknowledging, yes, there is an ultimate purpose and plan for every person's life. However, that ultimate purpose and plan is not worth living for. That's what the statement is. That's what it says. That, clearly, well, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't drive my pursuits. It's not something that I should go all out for something. But there, there is a greater purpose. There is a greater meaning. I don't know what it is sometimes. Even when I do know it, it's not worth living for. Can I tell you, I don't want to live anything like that. I'd much rather live like Abraham. And if that means wandering a desert, walking by faith with purpose and meaning to life, I'll take living by faith any old day. That's what Abraham had. Today, we live in a world that the people don't have meaning, they don't have purpose in life, they don't understand what it means to live by faith, to have a greater purpose and meaning for their very existence. Now, there's a very interesting observation that bears to here tonight for you and I as we're in God's house, and this poll, this research, it speaks to the matter at hand in our study here this evening. And here's what it says. Among Christians, now this is interesting. Now it's hitting home for you and I, right? Among Christians, quoting, the more often they attend church, the more likely they are to say they have found a higher purpose and meaning for their life. I find that powerful. Again, not my words, the, the words of the researchers, those doing this. It's interesting. This is what the data shows. They found a correlation between attendance to a place of worship. In other words, making meeting with your God and his people a priority, there's a correlation between that and knowing one's purpose, having meaning to life, having direction in life. They put it in quantifiable terms. Okay? Notice what they say. They break it down according to their poll. Here's what they said. Half of those who attend less than once a month, okay, half who attend less than once a month, that's 51%, say they have found such meaning for their life, compared to 69% of those who attend one to three times a month, and then 76% of those who attend four times a, a month or more. Do you see what happens? The correlation is this, boy, the more time you spend in God's presence, worshiping him in his house, the more certain you are of your purpose and the meaning of life. 
Now, we could say that's somewhat cyclical because if people have a, a conviction that this is the meaning and purpose of life, then they'll certainly be insured. So certainly that is, but it's hard to deny the reality of it. The connection would be this. The more you're around God and His house, the more you understand your purpose. That's your calling. God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. That life of faith and has meaning looking for the fulfillment of God's promises as you obey in this life. And that's what Abraham had. And that purpose, he had meaning to life. And we look at his life and say, wow, this is, what kind of life is this? You're a nomad. You're kind of wandering the promised land. God's promised you a land and you haven't seen it. You won't see it in your lifetime. Yet he still walks by faith. He had purpose. He had meaning to his life because he knows the fulfillment of the promises are coming. So much greater than what many people have today. Too many people today simply don't know where they came from, why they are here. They have no purpose. They have no sense of destiny. Many simply think when it's over, it's over. The researchers behind the poll and the the research, they came to this final conclusion, and boy, is it a telling statement. Notice what they said. They said this. Here's their conclusion. The total agreement percentages. Okay, now listen. This is what's interesting. The total who agree, the percentages who agree are no different, not very different than 2011. What do they agree on? That there is more to life than the physical world in society. Okay, So between 2011 and 2021, there's not much difference. The same amount of people are very close to who believe that there's more to life than just what we see, the physical world in society. It's about the same, believe it, in 2021. But here's the difference. But there is a significant a movement away from the certainty. I don't know what it is. I, 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 I think there's meaning to life. I think there's purpose to life. But I, I'm not certain what it is. I, I don't know what it is. Over 25% difference, if I studied the poll correctly, have lost the certainty of the meaning and purpose of life. And I'll tell you, most people look at Abraham and say, ah, he's a kook, he's crazy, he's just out there and he's following his God wherever it takes him. He's going all kind of, he's not seeing the fulfillment of his promises. But can I tell you what Abraham had? He had a certainty to his call. He had a certainty to his faith. He knew who he had believed in. He is persuaded that he's able to keep those promises. There was a certainty, this is my meaning, this is my calling in life, this is the purpose of my life. And may I tell you, my friend, the world around us may fall apart, it may crumble, it may turn upside down, inflation may go through the roof, but I'll tell you, my friend, you have a life of faith to live, and there is great certainty found there. You have purpose, you have meaning to life that is a certainty because you have been seen and understood the truth of why God created you, what he's called you to. A life of faith. You see what their statement is. Oh, there is more to life, but we don't know what it is. Can I tell you, that is so very sad. Yeah, there's a greater purpose. I haven't found it. There, life has meaning, but I don't know what it is. Can I just remind you tonight that God did not create us to live a meaningless existence for a few short years on this earth and then simply die. My friend, God has bigger and better plans for each one of us. He has a purpose for living, a calling along with the promises of grand future. As stated here, we too look for a city, a place, and I I love the terminology. Look at verse 10 again. He says, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is, uh, is God. Now, some of your Bibles will show 
calls you to look to the middle column with that word builder because it seems like builder and maker, same idea. It's not. In fact, some of your Bibles, even King James Bibles, will put it in the middle column and it'll say, when it says builder, it's really talking about a designer, an architect. In fact, the Greek word is translated elseplace, a craftsman. Someone who crafts it. It makes us think of John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. He is the designer. He is the, the architect behind it. He is the maker. He is the maintainer of this city that we look for. And, and boy, I sure do like that picture. There's also a contrast in this verse. Did you catch it? There's something great about the city, this, this other place he looks for. It wasn't the land of Canaan. That's, no, he's looking for something. Abraham's looking, as you and I are, to a greater city, a greater place. And the contrast is between the tent stakes temporarily driven to the sand in a, in a city with a sure and long-lasting, what's the word here? Foundation. Foundation. You see, the day is coming when we will exchange our earthly tent stakes for the sure and eternal foundations of a residence in heaven. I believe it with every ounce of my being that as Abraham walked the promised land, as he awaited and then came to the realization the fulfillment of all the promises would not happen, some of them did. We know Isaac being born and so forth. We, we know he found and, and saw some of the fulfillment of the promises, but not all of them. And can I tell you, even as he looked for that, I think that his heart slowly changed, just as yours and mine probably have. And he began looking not to this earth, but he began to look to heaven. He began looking for that residence and joining his God there in heaven and for all of eternity. In fact, the word here for looked, in verse number 10, it means to expect eagerly. That's Abraham. If someone had interviewed him from the land of Canaan, from one of the great cities, and he, they would have noticed he had purpose and direction. He had a longing that went well beyond the land of Canaan, the earthly things, the heavenly country, in its spiritual reality. This was a challenge to the Hebrew readers of this letter to likewise look beyond their Judaism and the earthly temple and the Levitical priesthood and every aspect of Judaism to the eternal heavenly realities of Jesus Christ. Just as Abraham did. He looked for a heavenly country with spiritual realities and Boy, the, the older we grow as Christians, the more we mature and, and uh, grow in Christ. You know what we do? We begin to learn about, yeah, God has given us promise for this place here on earth, and those are fine and great, but boy, I yearn for the fulfillment of the heavenly realities. And I yearn for the promises that, that deal with eternity and all of heaven and, and the promise of heaven itself. Boy, we look for that. We expect it eagerly as Abraham does. That is the life of faith. We make this statement here, you see it as we draw it to a close. Living for Jesus by faith means that you have an upward look. Oh, it's a forward look. We don't stop. We're not just sitting there and, and uh, no purpose in life, no meaning to life. No, 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 it's a forward look. And Abraham had purpose. He had meaning to life. And there was something to it. He certainly would have been contagious if you talked to him, even though he seemed like he was just wandering the desert. There was purpose. There was meaning. But secondly, boy, it was an upward look. He looked for a city. He was looking for a heavenly residence. We look for that city also described in scriptures that Christ himself is even preparing for us. It's why we are encouraged. And Paul wrote it to the church at Colossae. He says what? Set your affections on things above. Look there. Not on things here on earth. Don't get caught up. Don't get distracted. And, and <laughs> don't allow it to deter you. 
So you and I are encouraged this week and the days that follow here in 2024, we are to live with purpose. Because we have it, because God gave it. You have purpose. Because your Creator gave you a purpose. He gave you meaning to this life. And secondly, live looking. The best is yet to come. So look forward, look upward every step of this journey that we call a walk of faith. Abraham's a great example, isn't he? Much to his life and much encouragement for you and I in a world that has lost faith, purpose, and meaning. Sure, I'm glad we have it in God's Word, aren't you? And He's given it to each one of us. Brother Cliff, you bring those.